Welcome to the Upside Swings podcast, the draft pod with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, and joining me today, as always, are Ryan Davis and Stone Hansen. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Pretty good hanging in there. We uh, we got an exciting show for you guys today. Uh, similar to last week, we're, we're going to be breaking down some prospects, but uh, the, these are some really interesting guys. Uh, we got five guards for you today. The two Baylor guards, Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler. Uh, Quentin Grimes of Houston. Austin Reeves of Oklahoma. Oklahoma and Buddy Beheim from Syracuse. Uh, they all had various levels of success in March, and we thought we would continue the tournament talk with these guys. So let's get it started with Quentin, Quentin Grimes out of Houston. Uh, the 6'5 guard averaged 17.8 points per game. Uh, on 40.3% from three this year. And uh, he was the best player on a Final Four team. So, Stone, why don't you tell me what you think of Quentin Grimes? Yeah, so Grimes is a guy that uh, had a pretty high pedigree coming out of high school. Uh, I think a lot of people, myself included, had him like top 10 or thereabouts. Um, He dropped quite a bit since college. Um, Just he struggled for various reasons. Um, I believe he signed with the agent this year too, so he's like dedicated to this year's draft. Um, he's uh, he's an interesting player in terms of he's so he's a guard as you mentioned, six five, uh, kind of a combo guard, um, but he's not. Uh, I wouldn't classify him as like an elite playmaker or anything like that. Uh, I probably wouldn't view him as a primary initiator at the next level. Um, he seems fairly stiff on a lot of his movements uh he's a guy that seems to have like uh, somewhat uh limited hip mobility which is something we talk about a lot with with guards uh and forwards um in terms of defensive um how we view them defensively um he's a versatile finisher though he can finish with both hands uh we've seen that throughout his college career his shooting is a little bit weird in terms of the mechanics he has a pretty high shot release and he does this thing where he uh, puts his right foot out when he comes down, which kind of looks a little bit wonky, but uh, it's nothing major. I think both those things are kind of fixable. Um, he has pretty solid footwork in the post and uh, on the perimeter. Um, he can create his own shot, which is something that we value a lot for guards, especially uh, if you can't get your own shot as a guard, it's really difficult to, um, stick at the next level. Uh, he has a pretty strong frame. Uh, that's something I think that gets overlooked a lot with him is he's a very strong guard. Uh, he can drive in and kind of uh, finish amongst the trees. So he, he is interesting. Um, personally, he's not a guy I would view as a draftable player, um, but there are definitely some things that uh, I do like about him. Yeah, Grimes is a guy that uh, really interests me. I was lower on him uh, coming into his freshman season at Kansas than a lot of people because I actually questioned the scoring. I didn't think he was going to be an elite enough scorer. Um, I kind of like the ancillary skills, specifically defensively and as a decision maker. But throughout his college tenure, his 
his skill set has, has sort of flipped and maybe it was my evaluation, but he's become a much better shooter than he was in high school. Um, like I said, 43.3% or 40.3% from three this season. That's, that's a really good number. And a lot of those were very difficult attempts. He would take deep, even step backs or coming off handoffs. Uh, I, I think the mechanics look good. I agree with stone that he, he can kick that right leg out on the, as he's falling down, but I think he can fix that pretty easily. Um, I don't think that's a hip issue or anything that's purely in his legs and stuff like that is pretty easy to fix. Um, and he was the go-to scorer for Houston this season. Um, really, really solid frame can kind of get into the lane. I just, I'm with you where I don't, I, I wonder what his role is at the next level because it is so hard to just be a pure scorer in the NBA. I mean, even like the best of the best, like shooting athletes who do nothing but that, like Terrence Ross is like such a good shooter, an amazing athlete. And even he is only like a solid bench shooting guard. So I really worry with Quentin Grimes that he doesn't do anything well enough to really make it at the next level. But what do you think Davis? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat with Grimes. Uh, he definitely has some some good to him, but a lot of question marks, I think. Uh, he is an improved three-point shooter, um, at least at Houston, but he did have a really disappointing year at his freshman season at Kansas, uh, according to, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, people that had him had him high. I believe he was a five-star, too, so um, – but yeah, he's he's not really just you know leaning his hat on one thing. I guess it is scoring, but I'm not sure if he's really a good enough scorer to take it to the next level and and do it in the NBA. Um, but yeah, he's a really really big guard. Uh, he has good size, good frame. I did notice watching him a little bit when he uh, starts out slow. He kind of gets passive a lot. And will be afraid to even to even shoot, and that's you know shoot and score and drive, and that's what he does best. So um, definitely a lot of question marks for Grimes, but um, he's in the draft. Uh, like Stone said, he did sign with the agent, so um, he's in it to he's in it this year. So I think he he might get taken on second round, but he'll probably be looking at a at a G League or. A, two-way type of deal yeah Yeah. i would agree Uh, something that really concerns me with grimes is that he had a 27 percent usage this season which is which is pretty high especially for college ball but only 1.9 assists per game and this isn't like Cade cunningham where there was no talent around him and he's creating all these excellent shots that his teammates just can't knock down i just i don't think he sees the floor super well and even on drives he can sometimes do like like what you expect from high school players where he'll really put his head down and he knows what he's doing like he's going right to the rim and that's it he's not making decisions he predetermined the outcome and it's just going to happen how it happens that was an issue I had with with Cole Anthony is that he doesn't really read the floor he he makes decisions and goes from there um uh, and, and I just worry about that with Grimes. What do you guys think of Grimes as a decision maker and guard prospect at the next level? 
Um, I mean, I, I, okay. I'll go ahead. Glad you're good. Uh, I was just going to jump back real quick to what Ryan had said about his confidence. Uh, that's an interesting point you bring up, uh, something maybe we could touch on on our eventual philosophy podcast, um, how we value guys. But if, if you're a scorer and that's kind of what your your main skill is that you're bringing at the next level and you have confidence issues where you can get passive if you're not um, scoring at an efficient enough level, um, it, it does raise concerns on like what else do you bring to the table and if you're not scoring at that efficient rate. Um, so I, I thought that was just an interesting point. Yeah, so I kind of feel like Grimes, I'm, I mean, he has the size to, to, you know, succeed at the at the next level, but he definitely uh, has to get better on the vision and playmaking aspect of his game. Um, he's really good score, but that's about it right now. He did improve on, on his rebounding. And as far as defending goes, he's probably average at best at this moment, uh, at this point especially on, on uh, smaller and quicker guards. I notice he, he kind of struggles to uh, um, move his feet, move his feet on defense and slide his feet. So um, yeah. you definitely need to work on, on the other aspects of the game if he wants to succeed in the NBA, in my opinion. Definitely. The, the stiffness is something I noticed um, even back in high school with him uh, and getting it you know, on the NBA program. Um, you hope that flexibility kind of works itself out. I think added weight is something that kind of concerns me with Grimes as well. Like if you add too much weight with him, that I think really would limit his mobility um, because I feel like already he's sort of has that stiffness both offensively and defensively. And I don't think you want to limit that any more than it already is. Um, and then a, a, one final note that I had on him, um, we kind of touched on it with Trey Mann was, was the quick pull-up shot. And that's something I think Grimes has in his bag. Uh, he's a guy who can get from low to high really quick in terms of his release. Um, so that that is something I think that gets overlooked with him as well. Yeah, I think the the stiffness is a really sticky subject with Grimes. He he has never been an elite athlete, even when he was, you know, a highly touted recruit. He won with margins. He he was a good, solid handler. You know, he had he could get to the rim with hesitations, or because he was he was stronger than a lot of high school kids and bigger. And he's never been someone who who rises up or is completely blowing by guys. And that lateral quickness really concerns me as well. And that's something that's tough to to truly project at the next level because some guards have been able to fix that a little bit, you know, and and some haven't. It's the type of thing that it would be it'd be nice to be an NBA staff to get him in a workout and talk with experts on that who could tell you whether or not they think that can be fixed. Um, but for me, it is a concern. Uh, but I would second that. He is he's an excellent pull-up shooter and and sometimes if you can get that to high enough level that that's enough because as a bench guard if you can shoot 38 percent on pull-up threes you'll have a spot in the role or in the NBA especially at six five um, and he is he is really he has really good mechanics on that I honestly like his pull-up mechanics better than his catch and shoot mechanics because uh, when he catches and shoot he can dip a little bit uh, which can be fixed a lot of times, but he definitely has that dip where he catches 
likes to bring it down to his hip and go up. But off the pull-up, he's just really smooth, especially like a left-to-right dribble move. He's really comfortable stepping into that and, and knocking that down. Any final thoughts on Quentin Grimes? Uh, I think that was it for me. Okay. I mean, I do think uh, transferring helped him for sure, but yeah, for going sure. To, I, going to Houston because his, his freshman year was brutal. Yeah, I I think it's just he wasn't built for Bill Self's system. You know, Bill Self plays a a more conservative type of defense than than Kelvin Sampson, and you know trust his guards less and wants to wants to attack and get to the rim and Kelvin Sampson is one of the ultimate like guard freedom uh, coaches Houston is one of those teams I would want to go to if I'm a scoring guard uh, you know up there with like Alabama uh, and, and I think it really worked out for him and it's a credit to Grimes to to deal with that adversity and come out on the other side as a legitimate NBA prospect after being written off completely by so many so I, I think there's something to be said for that stone you mentioned how you value intangibles and hard work last week and i think i think grimes fits into that at least a little bit because that was a tough it's tough it's 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 sobering it would be sobering to go from a five-star heavily touted definitely one and done recruit to not even in the rotation for kansas and outplayed by Devin Dawson. So so good on him to to stick with it and find find a really nice home in Houston. For sure, yeah. So moving yeah. on to uh someone who didn't transfer but also had an excellent tourney run, uh Buddy Bayheim from Syracuse. He is another one of these very polarizing prospects on draft Twitter because he had an excellent tournament and people were saying, oh, this guy's definitely a pick. And then he had a rough game against Houston where they lost. And that was, he, 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 people were laughing at it. Like, no, obviously he wasn't a pick. And his, his stratification on boards from around, you know, 40 to 50 to not even in consideration is, is pretty interesting, but, just to give a baseline, his stats are very similar to Quentin Grimes. 17.8 points per game, 55.9% true shooting, 38.3% from three, and a 24.4 usage rating. So what do you guys think of Buddy Beheim and do you think he's a real prospect at all? Uh, so, I mean, with with Buddy, uh, obviously, you know, he's a, he's a shooter. He's a bucket. Um especially from deep, good range, um, has pretty good size. He did improve his free throws too, but uh, it's kind of kind of like Grimes. He just doesn't really bring anything else uh, outside of outside of shooting and and scoring. However, shooting is pretty valuable um, in the league nowadays. So I do feel like his shooting can translate. I just don't know if if he'll be able to really bring anything else with him. Yeah. Uh, Beheim is um, – the whole tournament thing is something I really don't buy into, where guys' stocks rise that quickly. 
and fall that quickly. I think if you already have kind of a predetermined sense of where you like guys, the tournament shouldn't factor in too, too much in terms of how you value them. Um, but Beheim, he, he does have uh, some, some interesting attributes. Uh, he's a guy that um, I think he, he's not going to take anyone off the dribble or anything as, as an initiator. Um, he, he is a poor athlete, uh, but he does seem to have a really good feel as a shooter. He has great yeah. so- shot selection. Like he knows where his hot zones are. He knows exactly um, where the defenses are and how to read defenses where he, when he shoots. Um, I think that's something that's pretty impressive. Um, he's not going to really be a ball handler or anything. Maybe he'll, he'll take um, some pump fakes or pass fakes and take one dribble inside the arc or something like that, or a sidestep. But I don't really see him being much of a ball handler. Um, but, you know, maybe as, as a flyer, some undrafted, as an undrafted guy, I could see him uh, filling, filling some sort of role on a team that's desperate for any sort of shooting. Yeah, Beheim yeah. is it, it's tough it's tough to scout these sort of shooting only prospects because some guys like that can work out. Eventually, you know, three or four from from every draft cycle are gonna it, at least scratch scratch the surface of the league of a rotation. And but it but it's tough for them because all these shooters, they all look good. So what separates Joe Harris from any number of guys who are, you know, like Dakota Mathias uh, in the G League or or Bryce Brown from Auburn. Like, what separates the elite of the elite shooting specialist from the G League shooting specialist? And and Beheim has has a lot of skills that I think could help him get to that that top level of shooter. Uh, he's an excellent off-ball mover. I think he has a really good sense for finding yeah. soft spots uh, in the defense. Yeah. And that probably comes from playing against a zone in practice. Uh, you know, you, you you get really used to, okay, the defense is shading up, so I'm going to drop to the corner. He, he's really good at that. And that is a very important skill and an overlooked skill at the next level. Um, especially, you know, he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he, he has legit size as a 2'3", as a probably. And I think that, I think that uh, off ball movement and that knowledge of how to move off ball really works well for him. And uh, I also think he has really, really smooth pull-up mechanics. Like I think he could, he won't attack a closeout and get all the way to the rim, but if someone closes out really hard on him, he could probably take a couple dribbles in and comfortably hit a little mid-range pull-up. And that's something not all shooting specialists, even in the NBA can do, you know, there's, there's plenty of guys who you'd rather just pass that than, than try and get into a, a pull-up. So I think Beheim has that. Um, I think I like him more than, than most. And, and I liked him before the tournament too. Like this isn't just a, a tournament rise, but it's still, you know, what he does only has so much value. He's almost certainly going to be a negative on defense and he's not the athlete that like, we don't think of them as athletes, but the athlete that like a JJ Redick or a Duncan Robinson is where they can just sprint off screens and, run nonstop for 40 minutes he doesn't quite do that I don't think and he's probably a step below those guys but I think he has a shot to make it uh at the next level as a rotation shooter yeah and you were saying you know kind of what separates 
shooters from other shooters. Um, I mean, in Joe Harris's case, I believe he had a lot more ancillary skills than than just his shooting. He's a pretty scrappy player. But uh, in Beheim's case, I think what separates him a bit more is um, just his IQ. As I mentioned, his shot selection is really good. He always seems to kind of make the right pass. He's not going to be a guy who, you know, makes any sort of flashy pass or sets anybody up. But he seems to have a pretty uh, high IQ in terms of when to shoot, when to pass, and what shots to take, and what passes he's actually capable of. Um, so I do think that's what important uh, in terms of when we're discussing what separates him from other shooters. Yeah, just to provide some context for that, 2.6 assists per game, and uh, he's a pretty, I would agree, he's a really smart passer, and that off-ball movement works with that. He He's really good at relocating off a pass or catching, faking the shot, finding a man, finding a cutter. He, he makes really smart passes. You know, he's not the most versatile passer. You know, he's not whipping live dribble passes around or anything, but his decision-making is really solid, and he doesn't just hoist up bad shots. Yeah. 38.3% um, from three. Does that number you know, for a shooting specialist, does that worry you guys at all, especially considering what I mentioned where he doesn't take a, a ton of bad shots? Um, not, not too much for me personally. I mean, it's a number that I think uh, in the NBA can improve. I think the level of shots he'll be taking is probably a little bit easier in terms of the spacing he has and things like that. Um, so it, it doesn't worry me too much, uh, that number alone. Yeah, I would I would probably agree. Um, he's also shown uh, the proficiency proficiency to shoot from NBA range, uh, even off the dribble. That was the one thing that really showed out in the tournament was that he's he's pretty comfortable as a as a shooter off the dribble and uh, off step backs. And you know that's probably not going to be a huge part of his game at the next level, but it, that does help. You know if you can run a uh, eight seconds on the shot clock, pick, shot clock, pick and roll, and either hit a pull up or or make the right decision. That's that's useful, especially for a bench guy, which he'll probably be. Any other yeah. thoughts on Buddy? You got nailing it. He's just very great off the ball. Has a quick release, which allows him to just come around a screen and shoot it quick, get it off uh, when it's not there. Makes the right pass, but he's he's a he's a good uh. Good guy to have. I do. I do hope he comes back as of now. He is coming back, and I've heard the other Boheim brothers going to come and and join Syracuse. So that should be fun to watch. Hopefully, they'll make another run. Yeah, sadly they lost Kadari Richmond. At least sadly for Syracuse, uh, probably good for Kadari Richmond. Um, so so just to wrap it up, uh, Quentin Grimes and Buddy Boheim have nearly identical numbers it's 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 kind of wild uh which of the two would you rather take and why let's start with stone uh for me personally i, I would go Bayheim, uh just because like we talked about their numbers are pretty similar but the way they go about getting those numbers is quite different uh and in Bayheim just seems like a I, i'm pretty big into high iq guys and, and Bayheim just seems to be a lot more of that uh than grimes in, in my opinion. So that, that would be the ultimate deciding factor for me when separating the two. Yeah, I think I'd have to uh, lean 
to Buddy's side uh, slightly as well. Um, they're both they both rely on shooting and scoring, but I feel like Boheim is a little bit more consistent and um, has a a better game that would translate to the next level than than Grimes does. Um, as well as he's a little bit smarter as a as a decision maker and and playmaker. But uh, I do have both of them outside the top fifty. So, but I I'd, I'd take I would rather take a a shot on Boheim for sure. I think. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna add one last note. I had was that I think Boheim. Um, we kind of you, when a team drafts him, I think they still know kind of exactly what they're getting with Boheim, whereas Grimes even still has a lot of questions about him that I think are unanswered at this point. Yeah. yeah, I have them both in my uh, my bet on Winks tier. Um, I probably prefer Bayheim a little bit, but I will say that if you're a team where you're, I would say a worse team should take Quentin Grimes if you think he can get bench touches immediately. Because I think the only way Grimes succeeds is either by having a high usage in the G League or by getting plenty of reps on and off the ball, like on an NBA bench. Uh, I think Beheim, like you said, you kind of know what he is. He he's not he's not an electric scorer. That's not him. He shoots. He'll make the right decision, and hopefully, he doesn't kill you on defense. But Grimes, I think, has a bit more potential to be a better scorer. His handles a little better. He's he's more athletic than Beheim. Uh, so if you think you can get him touches in one way or another, and and you want to bet on that upside, I would say Grimes is the higher upside player. But I, I probably prefer Bayheim as well, just because he fills that role as a shooter immediately, and you you know what it is. He's probably going to be that player for his whole career, whether it be in the NBA or China or wherever. Definitely. Yeah. So you yeah, guys ready to move on to Austin Reeves? Yep. Okay, so Austin Reeves out of Oklahoma is a fascinating, fascinating prospect. Um, he began his career at Wichita State, uh, the second transfer we're talking about and the fourth total transfer we'll talk about today, uh, where he was a shooting specialist. He was, an, he seemed to be an elite shooter, mostly just spot ups. He wasn't running off movement or anything, but a good shooter at Wichita State was expected to be that at Oklahoma. But instead, he kind of transitioned into this 6'5 smooth point guard role. And he succeeded uh, 18.3 points per game, uh, 4.6 assists, but only 30.5% from three. So he has a lot of questions. Very interesting. Entered the draft, signed with a, an agent. So, Davis, do you want to say what you think about Austin Reeves? Yeah, so Austin Reeves is a very interesting player. Um, does have some intriguing uh, attributes and skills, but um, – I noticed he's he obviously a very good free throw shooter, and he does shoot about seven, eight attempts a game, which is good. He can get to the line, and when he does get to the line, he makes it and takes advantage of them. Um, he is one of the older prospects, but I think the the three guys we've actually talked about have been on the older side as far as prospect goes as well. Um, but I do I do like him as a as a shooter. I do like him more than the other two that that we've talked about so far. Um, he is, he is really smart on, on how and, and when to take charges. Um, but other than that is his defense could, 
could use some work is on ball defense and, you know, um, post defense and, and all that. But um, he is an average athlete. And, uh, but, but yeah, he's just, just a, a smart, a smart scorer, smart shooter. And uh, I feel like this year he proved himself more as a shot creator, whereas Wichita, he was kind of just like that, that catch and shoot. Um, like you said, that catch and shoot elite shot maker. Um, but I feel like this year at Oklahoma, or just at Oklahoma in general, he, he got better at making a shot and getting better at his shot selection. So, Yeah, I, uh, I'm fascinated by Reeves because he's, he, he is one of the most confident players in this draft and was one of the most confident players in this past college basketball season. Uh, at least outwardly so. Um, if there was like Drew Timmy or, you know, any like of the past like Duke players, like could you imagine Austin Reeves on Duke? He would be hated just as much as a J.J. Redick or or something like that. He he would be the, the Duke white guy that everyone hates. Um, but he is he, – he has that in him. And I try not to read too much into that, but there were times it really worked out for him. He, he was an excellent – player down the stretch of close games this season constantly hit big shots um, and he just has a way of getting to his spots he has a really smooth patient game uh, he he makes really smart plays with the ball uh, he, he's really good at getting defenders to bite on pump fakes or hesitation moves he, he gets to his spots impeccably well and I think that is one of the reasons I worry so much about his shooting that the 30.5% from three with, for someone who should be as good from three as him really worries me because he gets to those spots pretty well. It's not like these were all contested threes. Um, so stone, what do you, what do you think about Reeves? Yeah. Um, he's, uh, if you're drafting him, you're drafting him obviously for his defensive talents uh, defensively. I feel pretty confident in saying he's just going to be kind of a negative on that end. Um, but to focus more offensively, uh, he had, he does have a pretty tight handle. Um, he's, he's, as you mentioned, pretty good at getting to his spots. However, when driving to the rim, I noticed uh, a lot of plays, at least that I had seen. Um, he, he seems to kind of drive at points where he doesn't have a plan while he's going inside. He kind of just drives and it seems like it makes it up as he goes along. Uh, in certain plays um you mentioned he's really good at selling pump fakes and i noticed that too uh he's probably one of the best in the nation i would say at least this year at getting guys to bite on pump fakes and pump passes um he's he's really excellent at that um he he does take some wild shots occasionally as well um shot selection uh you mentioned his confidence i think sometimes uh, can be a little bit of a uh, detriment to him at times because I feel like occasionally he gets a little overconfident and um, uh, kind of over thinks he's more capable of things that he's actually not at times. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely not your stereotypical, you know, uh, Buddy Bayheim three point specialist white guy, but. Uh, He's, he's pretty crafty as well inside. Um, he's good at using his length around defenders 
he uses that wingspan and can kind of wrap around defenders with wraparound passes or use the basket in reverse layups. Um, so he's, he is interesting. I, I would take a flyer on him as a two-way guy personally. Uh, not again, probably not someone I would draft. Um, but I feel like I would confidently have him above both Bayheim and Grimes. Yeah. Reeves, something that, uh, something with him that isn't talked about enough is his finishing and, he has a 57.9% true shooting percentage, despite being only 30.5% from three. And that is a lot because he gets to the line and he's an excellent finisher, whether it be in traffic or, you know, getting to his scoop shots, whatever. He he has an excellent touch around the rim. He reminds me a bit of a, a 6'5 JJ Berea with how he is really good at doing like these stop start moves and getting himself going. He's not, an elite vertical athlete by any means it's not like he's an excellent finisher because every finish at the rim is a dunk it's a lot of english off the glass or floaters or he has a really nice runner game with one or two hands uh i think that is translatable uh touch is something that is extremely hard to measure we talked about it last week um but he is one of those guys who has that elite touch uh from the floater range or right at the rim even uh and and i think i think that's his most translatable skill is his ball handling and finishing uh the question will be whether he can get to the rim at the next level uh what do you guys think about him as like a point guard like do you see him as a point guard do you see him as a scoring two guard what do you think his role is at the next level uh, I could see him like um, um, his highest ceiling as like a secondary initiator type, uh, most likely obviously running like second units and things like that. Um, he did mention his finishing. It's sort of similar to uh, like a TJ Warren comes to mind where the guys just kind of have a knack for getting the ball into the hoop uh, at a close range. And he's, he's pretty good at absorbing contact. Um, so that was just kind of reminiscent of that. Um, but yeah, as far as his NBA um, role, I kind of see him as like a secondary initiator on, on a second unit, best case scenario. Yeah, I can definitely see him uh, as a secondary guy or just like a kind of like a two-way scoring, like not a two-way, uh, like a, you know, a scoring guard. Um, I mean, I, d- I did notice from the moment he went from Wichita State to to Oklahoma, he started attacking the rim a lot more and went from from one and a half free throws a game to like six free throws a game up into seven this year. So if he does continue to um, attack like that and and not just go to his shooting and go to the corner and catch and shoot, then I feel like he can he can be a pretty pretty solid point guard. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's questionable outside of that, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I think his biggest issue is going to be defensively, but that's gonna that's gonna exist no matter if he's a one or a two. Uh, I think if you want to see what Reeves can look like as a point guard, watch the Texas Tech game. Uh, he was an excellent pick and roll operator. Texas Tech runs that no middle system, and no middle system is not at all like an NBA system, but it can give you a glimpse at how a point guard is going to handle switching and hedges 
and he did a really good job uh, handling those, making the right decision, still getting to the rim, still getting to his shots. Uh, and he also embarrassed Mac McClung. Uh, so that was fun. Um, I think that I would, I, I'm a little higher on Reeves than Stone um, in that I probably would draft him. Uh, he's, he's, he's probably in that 40 to 50 range, maybe, you know, maybe past a little past 50, but he's so smooth. And I think, I think there is a role for him at the next level as, you know, a bench, a bench guard who can make some plays for you in a pinch. And he might never be a star. He almost certainly won't be a star, but I also think there could still be something there with that shooting. He has a good form. He's a really good free throw shooter. Um, I just, I just think, I just think maybe he's so heady that it just kind of comes and goes. He'll have seasons where he shoots thirty-one percent from three, and seasons where he shoots thirty-eight. You know, almost like a, like a Contavious Caldwell Pope, where you know he he it's it's all just momentum for him. How he'll play, you know, whether he's a positive or negative player, will all depend on how he's feeling that season. So. Yeah, for sure. I have to redo my big board, uh, so I'm not positive that I wouldn't draft him. Uh, but just off the top of my head, he's he's someone I probably wouldn't. Yeah, we'll do a yeah. we'll do a big board pod at some point, and we'll all uh, we'll, we'll we'll spend far too much time breaking down the forty to sixty range. I'm sure because that's the type be like of guys a six we hour are. Podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe he's my my top fifty either, but he's probably. Uh, he's probably shortly after that. Yeah, he's just – I like to bet, and, and we'll get into this on a philosophy episode down the line, uh, I like to bet on unique talents, types of players who don't fit obvious roles. Uh, and I think that's Austin Reeves. I I don't – you know, I don't know what he is, but I think he has a lot of skills and he could be something. Uh, my, my main worry is just that – when you're as bad as he's probably going to be defensively, you have to be really good offensively to play more than 10 minutes a night and to play it all in the playoffs. Uh, and he might never reach that level because the defense, the defense is really bad, not just from, uh, oh, he's an unathletic white dude, so of course the defense is bad. Uh, he, he's, he doesn't make like a ton of great reads out there. He's not jumping passing lanes. Uh, he dies on screens, absolutely dies on screens. Um even like guard guard screens, I noticed he struggled with. So I, the defense is is probably going to be a solid negative for his whole career. Uh, so he's going to have to be a really good offensive player. Yeah, uh, the next guy we talk about is kind of the inverse of that. Yeah, so so let's let's just do that. Uh, we're going to talk about Davion Mitchell, and uh, this this is going to be some early controversy for the pod, I think, because. Davion has already become this this massive albatross on draft Twitter's back where we just don't know what to do with him. You know, there's a ton of of like the you know the main big websites that have moved him like top eight. I think it, he was even six. Uh, Chad Ford on his board. Um, Chad Ford is someone I respect a lot, and I and I trust his intel. Um, and he was six on his board, and you know, a lot of people aren't there with him and they've, they've fought back and, and started calling him super overrated. Um, before we dump it, jump into him, I'm just gonna, 
give my personal Davion ride because I like I really bought into Davion early, like way before March. I think mid January was when I when when I started saying like, oh, I think I like this guy better than Deuce McBride. And at that time, that was like a hot take because Deuce is two years younger, and you know he was the draft Twitter darling. But I was like, Davion Mitchell does everything Deuce does, but he's also a super athlete. So I felt pretty pretty happy with that. And as I kept going, I'm like, okay, I think this guy could be a top, you know, top 15, 16 guy on my board. And I was like that before March, and then March happens, and he's top six. And I find myself having to, you know, joining the crowd of like, oh, that's way too high, that's way too high. But it feels really weird to me because I was hyping him up to go higher at first. So, uh, Stone, what do you what do you think of Davion? What do you think of the the discourse surrounding him, and 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 how do you feel about him as a prospect? Yeah. So the first thing we that kind of jumps out to everybody, or the first main thing, I guess, is the age. Right? He's, I believe, he's twenty two years old. So he's a bit older than uh, pretty much a lot of the, a lot of these other lotto guys, or possible lotto guys, uh, maybe with the exception of Kispert, but. Um, He's yeah. So the age is a factor. That's something we could again get into, kind of like in the philosophy pod. Um, but uh, offensively, um, it's pretty hard to ignore how quick he is. He's extremely bursty. Uh, one of the best first steps in the class. Um, he able to just use that explosiveness to kind of explode towards the rim, um, and before the defenders, the defenders usually trailing him by the time he gets to the rim. Um, he's a pretty quick processor of the game. Um, he reads defenses fairly quickly uh, when they set up. Um, and that's especially in relation to his passing. Um, he's able to kind of uh, see the defenses shift and move and watch his teammates adjust to that as well. And as they're adjusting, find them off the move. Um, he's probably not a guy I would peg to be like a primary primary initiator at the next level. Uh, I don't think I would um, want him probably as like my my main point guard setting up other guys, but he's very capable of, of uh, making advantage plays due to his reads of the opposing defenses. Um, and then defensively is obviously going to be a selling point. Uh, probably one, uh, one of the, if not the best perimeter defender in the entire class. Um, it's great with staying with guys on ball, um, off ball. He's great at reading passing lanes. Um, he's got one of those stocky builds as a guard, even though he's undersized at like six, two or six, three, uh, for a shooting guard or off ball guard. He's, he's pretty stocky. Uh, so I think that will help him in terms of, uh, versatility defensively. I know some question whether he'll be able to guard forwards or anything at the next level, but I think his strength will help him a lot in that area. Um, so, yeah, he's – I personally have him, like, right outside my lottery, lottery range, uh, but I, I do know people – a lot of people have jumped on the top 10 train. Yeah, so uh, Stone basically said a lot a lot of of what I uh, have on, on Mitchell and what I see. Um I first noticed him last year when Arizona played Baylor 
And I know I remember he had uh, he didn't have the best the best game on offense, but I remember he held Nico Mannion and then he guarded like Josh Green, uh, and both of them were like six for like twenty two or something like that combined, and they just shot terribly. So I remember him just being a pest on defense. Um, that was when I first he first kind of first kind of caught my eye, but. This year he really he really improved um, his offense. He he was efficient, fifty percent as a guard. Um, is is damn good. Um, he is he is kind of a bad free throw shooter, um, but you can you can work on that. Ho- uh, hopefully, uh, you know a lot of, a lot of people can improve that. But uh, he was a bad free throw shooter. Um, but yeah, I think I think defensively is the main thing for him. Obviously. He's the, probably the best on-ball defender in, in the in the class, like like Stone mentioned. And uh, he, he's, uh, his big frame allows allows him to switch on to bigger players. I don't know if it'll if it'll really translate to the NBA NBA uh, level guys, but um, he was able to do it in, in in Baylor and it worked. So but yeah, yeah. he's he's on on my lottery as well. Lottery late first. Um, he's I think he's like 14th on my board. So, so you you mentioned his free throw shooting, which is kind of uh, brings me to my question for you guys in terms of how you value his shooting. Um, his his free throw shooting has actually marginally decreased uh, every year um, in his collegiate uh, in his collegiate game. Um, in the three point percentage, obviously, this was like a big jump for him across the board in pretty much every every uh, statistic, but. Uh, especially in three-point percentage where he shot like 12 or 13 percent better than he ever had um, in in his college career so I was just wondering how you guys value his uh, his shooting moving forward and how you think it'll translate at the next level so just for some context uh, Mitchell shot an absolutely blazing 44.7 percent from three this year um, which was up I think 12.5% from last year, which is an insane rise, uh, and 62% true shooting. Um, I don't think those numbers are are accurate. Uh, I, I trust the shooting to an extent. I don't think he's ever going to be, like, left open. Uh, and, I, and I think that he's always going to have some pull-up gravity because he has all the confidence in that shot. And the confidence only got better throughout the year. Um but I would guess he's going to be sort of a high volume, low efficiency three point shooter. That would be my guess. Um, you know, the obvious comparison, uh, and there's so many reasons for this, is Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I try to shy away from it, but I think there is a lot there. And Donovan Mitchell yeah. is kind of in that same camp. Donovan Mitchell is not a great free throw or even a three point shooter uh, when he was coming out of Louisville. Um, but he has confidence in that shot. And when it's going, he is one of the better pull-up three-point shooters in the league. When it's not, and it's usually not because that's the nature of the NBA, he's like a 30-point, or he's like a 30 percentage uh, from, he's like at 30% from three. Um, But that confidence is still there, and you still have to respect him as a shooter. And I think that's probably what it's going to be. He's not going to be a 45% three-point shooter at the next level but I think Davion can really have some some utility as a jump shooter 
And if he can use that to leverage his athleticism, which he's already started to do, uh, I think he can be a really dynamic scoring guard at the next level. Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of also, too, where a lot of those Marcus Smart comparisons come in in terms of being like an amazing defender, which I'm not comparing the two because I personally don't buy into this comparison. But uh, I know a lot of people see them kind of comparable as really strong defenders, but also uh, streaky shooters, um, and especially early in Smart's career. So, um, but yeah, when he, when he Donovan and Davion are in the league together, it's gonna be extremely confusing. That's definitely two names we're gonna mix up all the time. Oh, all the time. I don't like the Marcus Smart comparison at all. I don't like any comparisons when you're comparing someone to one of the greatest ever at that specific yeah. skill. I mean, I Marcus, definitely shy away from comparisons in general. Yeah, I I prefer the the comp cloud. Uh, for anyone who reads my work, I kind of do that. I throw out like a, a number of names that he has this sort of skill could kind of get to this, but specifically like if you're going to compare any on-ball defender to Marcus Smart, I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. comparing that's like comparing a six-six scoring guard to Kobe Bryant. Like, c- come on, you're yeah. you're shooting for the stars here. Um, yeah, that's where I think that. that that meteoric rise of him has come into play, where people are just value him and valuing him extremely like off the charts top six or whatever uh and for that reason compare him to guys like marcus smart who are just like in no nowhere the same realm of of player yeah i definitely like the the donovan mitchell comparison more than the marcus smart one but uh he's he i think he's obviously a better defender than donovan but donovan's probably miles ahead on offense at this point but it could just be a confidence thing like like Bryce was saying but the free throw shooting and that's the the thing that's pretty questionable for me yeah um, but... I I really wonder what that because I think he's someone who can get to the line a lot uh my favorite Mitchell skill even more than his defense because another thing we'll get into on a later pod I don't value guard defense all that much uh in a, in a in a first round prospect almost ever because I just I, I think that only moves the needle so much for any team uh, you can make good defenses with horrible guards um, but anyways uh, what I really like about Mitchell is he is the best guard in this class at getting two feet in the paint uh, and that's a really important thing for an offense uh, if you can have a guy who in an isolation or in a pick and roll can always get to the paint on just burst and doesn't have to expend a ton of energy or waste a ton of clock doing a lot of dribble moves. It's incredibly valuable. And it's not like Mitchell is a bad decision maker or passer. He averaged five and a half assists per game, which was the leader for Baylor this season. And I think he makes smart decisions specifically in the pick and roll. He's pretty good at finding, you know, rollers or poppers and he's too small to make like cross court skips, but he makes pretty solid decisions when he gets to the paint. And I think, I think that could give him some lead creator equity. You know, he's probably not a, like a a championship level lead creator, but I, I think he has some upside in that role because his athleticism is so functional and he finds a way to get himself into the paint all the time. 
And you really saw that in the tournament. As much as we don't want to wait the tournament too much, uh, it, it really shined there. And, you know, specifically like against Houston, Houston is a team I thought he would struggle against, but he was hitting threes and he was constantly in the paint and forcing uh, a lot of help side rotations. And that that is really important for any NBA offense to have a player that can do that. Where do you where do you rank him on? Uh, I have him fourteen right now. Um, I and, and I haven't moved on that since I had him at that before the tournament, and I haven't moved. But there's just a lot to like for me there. Um, I just think that athleticism and that intensity is is pretty valuable. Um, and the defense, like I, you know, I don't value guard defense a ton, but it is it is really impressive. He and he and that gives him a lot of avenues to success, which is something I talk about a lot. Is you want a player to have multiple paths to succeeding in the league, and he could be a Patrick Beverly type, where he's just this three and D guard, or he could be, you know, a, a, a more athletic creator or this secondary creator playing next to a wing creator. I mean, there's so much for him to make it. And that's something I really value, especially in guard prospects now, because, you know, there's not a ton of point guards who are your every down back heliocentric offensive players. So when he has so many good ancillary skills that can fit next to stars, but also he can, you know, probably competently run an offense. I I find that very valuable. Uh, you guys have any more thoughts? You want to move on to his teammate? I, I think we should jump to, to Jared. And uh, it'll be fun to talk about how we value the two against each other. But for now, let's just uh, – what do you guys – Davis, let's start with you. What do you think of Jared Butler? What do you like and dislike? Um, so Jared Butler, I mean, before – I think before this season I had him higher than, than Mitchell, of course. Uh they're still pretty close on on my board and in, in in the same like range ish. Um, I I do like that that Butler's he can score. He uses hesitation moves to create space really well, and uh, he absorbs contact. Maintains maintains control. Has a strong uh, a strong frame. Um, he did improve his shooting percentages outside of his his free throws. Um, every every year at Baylor, but his free throw percentage was pretty consistent the entire time in like the 77, 76 range. Um, the thing I think I question the most is really, I don't know if he's what you call like a, a true point guard. I think he's more of, of just a score first guy. So I think he's kind of more of just a, a two guard or a, a scoring point guard. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure if you'd want, you want him to be the guy like running your offense or being that, you know, being that facilitator or playmaker. Um, I did see that he has a, a, a three, he had a 3.1 to 2.4 assist to turnover ratio. So like I said, he'd have to clean that up as far as, as far as playmaking and, and uh, ball handling goes, but he's just really smart. He plays a controlled game. Um, he just has that like leader mentality. And I feel like, he can contribute to a team like right away and uh, he does have the tools and 
you know, skills to be to be good defensively. But um, he is he is the older pro, pro, prospect as well, like like the many others we talked about today. But um, yeah, I, I like Butler. He he has the he has the tools to be there, and I just like his his leadership and his uh his controlled pace and and smarts to to the game. Yeah, this is purely an old head pod. Uh, we refuse to talk about one and done prospects. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of our brand, I think, for now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, but ahead, yeah, start. for uh, Butler, I think I'm higher on him than a lot of other people. Uh, I have him higher than Davion Mitchell, which is might be controversial at this point. Uh, he's like borderline top 10 for me. Um, and the reason for that is he's probably like, the best ball handler in the entire class, in my opinion. He's got really tight handles, can get low, uh, which creates a lot of advantages for him in isolation. Uh, He's a guy that, um, as a point guard, can create his own bucket in isolation plays, whether it's step backs or getting to the rim with hesitations. Um, He's great at creating advantage plays by drawing in defenses and then finding his open teammates from the defenders that he does draw in because of his handle and being able to get around his uh, init- uh, initial defensive opponent. Um, he's a really good shooter, I think. Uh, a guy who projects as a three-level scorer, I think he'll be able to kind of shoot from whatever zone, whether it be mid-range, three-point, or finish at the rim. Um, he's not someone, I think, that has like any sort of elite vision or anything like that, kind of how we talked about uh, with Davion Mitchell, but someone I think – uh, that can create a lot of advantage plays, again, just due to their isolation. Um, although the, uh, trans- in transition, I feel like he has really good uh, vision and is really uh, creative and capable with his passes to be able to get uh, guys the ball in transition, whether there's defenders between them or not. Um, he's really good at using head fakes, uh, especially on the perimeter, something I noticed. Um, he can get defenders a little bit lost just with a simple uh, head twitch and thing that, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely high on Mitchell – or uh, Butler, excuse me um, – higher on Butler. Uh, I think defensively, he's not quite uh, Davion Mitchell's um, pedigree, but I think that he's a guy that uh, can be a really strong guard defender. Uh, he's a pretty decent lateral mover. Um, and he does read passing lanes, although he can get a little bit um, – have some defensive lapses occasionally. So, uh, But I think it's all stuff that can be cleaned up at the next level. Uh, one thing of importance to kind of note with, with Jared Butler uh, is that he did lose his scholarship with Alabama a couple years ago due to failing uh, medicals, um, and there was some speculation that it could be a heart-related issue. Um, which would be very unfortunate, but that's just something to kind of uh, keep in the back of your mind with with Jared Butler. Yeah, something I try not to I try not to ever put too much weight in is is medicals because I'm not on an NBA staff. Uh, if I ever was, um, you know, then I'd weigh it more. But uh, like Killian Tilly last year, T I always say it T because it was French, but that's probably completely wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, he had all those injury issues, but I still had him top 30 last year because 
uh, he was awesome. But yeah, um, something that really interests me with Butler is that he has one of my favorite micro skills in the class. He has incredible hands. Like he, ha- I, yeah. I wonder how big his hands are because he has like, he plays like he has Kawhi mitts. He <laughs> he he gets in lane, you know, he gets in people's handles, and he can he can just strip you. Uh, I think it's what allows his handle to be so like excellent is because it seems like he could just pick that thing up with one hand and make some moves. Uh, and it, and it really helps him as a finisher. He has really, really, uh, he has a really good sense for how to use the glass, um, which is something I, yeah. I always look for in a guard finisher is yeah. how could they, you know, not, not like, you know, jelly fam stuff, like where they're just using it to be silly, but real functional, like, get around length and finish and he is he is one of the best in the class at that and and i think it's i think it helps him out because he's not an elite athlete but he makes up for it uh with those hands um i i'm i'm a little lower on him than you stone uh but i do like him a lot i think he is the perfect archetype for the point guard you want next to a jumbo creator um he he can shoot He's an excellent off-the-catch shooter, um, and he has a really good sense for how to move off the ball as a cutter or or uh, in the spot-up situations. Uh, he was really comfortable letting Mitchell take the keys to the offense towards the end of the year and becoming this, this elite off-ball shooter, cutter, uh, secondary pick-and-roll player. Uh, and that means a lot because he's not going to be, you know, a, an on-ball player all the time at the next level um and and i think all skill is is his most important um i like the handle a lot there are times um you know i i think it gets overrated uh because he doesn't have the athleticism to make it like best in class or anything but it's definitely fun to watch and he's and he's really good at at not overdoing it uh you know he'll make he has counters on counters, and he'll make just the right amount to get to his spot and get a bucket. Um, I, I I think that he is a little situation dependent at the next level, and that's kind of what worries me. Um, I, I think he has less past success than a Davion Mitchell um, because I think he needs to play off a another creator, and I don't know how great the advantages he's going to create are. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that may be where we differ a little bit in terms of how we value him, just because I, I do buy into the fact that I think he can be an adequate uh, primary initiator, um, nowhere near elite or anything, but probably just enough to get by. Um, you, you probably do want, a, if you, that is the case, you do want like a strong secondary initiator as well, uh, playing alongside him. It's not the most optimal role for him, but I feel like it's a role he can fill at the next level. Um, you did mention he's his off ball shooting. Um, so I think that leaves room, like you were saying earlier about uh, multiple avenues for success. I think that also certainly plays into uh, into the case with uh, Jared Butler. Um, so I'm, uh, I think because of those reasons, I'm a little bit higher on him uh, than, than probably most. Um, but yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on him, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I, I I do like Butler. Um, I have him 
a little lower than you, probably in the same range as Bryce. But um, I feel like he he can he he can be maybe that like primary facilitator. Um, but I think like right now at this point, I don't think he he would be. You you would want someone else, you know, next to him. But um, he's considered old, but I think he's still young and still has still has a lot of room to grow and, and upside. So uh, he's definitely. I, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad taking him in the lottery, that's for sure. All right, Stone. So so you got me interested now. So you think he can't be a primary. Do you, do you see him as that sort of elite pull-up shooter? Or, or how do you think he creates advantages to be a primary, to, to really, you know, make defenses churn at the next level, make them, make them shudder? What does he do at that level that you think he can do that? Um, so I think it goes back to the ball handling. Um, and I, that is something I think that you kind of disagree with a little bit. Um, just because I, I think personally it's probably best in the class or near, uh, near that. Um, because as you mentioned too, he doesn't overdo it. Uh, it's not really about flash. It's, it's pretty functional at the next level. I think, um, it's something that I think he can functionally use to get around defenders and, and suck defenses in and, and take advantage of that. Um, and find he, he's good at finding open teammates. He may not be a guy that, um, you know, makes those crazy like skip passes or things like that, like maybe a lamello ball or nowhere near that level. Um, but but just as a guy who can take advantage of um, the isolation situations that he puts himself in, uh, I do I do buy that he can be kind of a low end uh, primary initiator. Uh, whereas I said you you do probably want a, a high end secondary initiator alongside him. Okay. I think that's a, that's a respectable take to have. Uh, you know, it's not egregious or anything. Uh, I, I just, I just don't see it. I don't, I just don't know if the burst is there and, and he's a good pull-up shooter, but he's not like an elite pull-up shooter. I think he's much, much better off the catch. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from. And I still, I still like Jared Butler a lot because he's just, he's so good at everything. You know, he doesn't, have like a hole in his game other than that he's not an elite athlete but he's not a bad athlete specifically laterally he has like i mentioned the hands but he also has really good hips uh he 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 handles change of direction very well um and and i think he'll be able to to handle most guards at the next level um so so there's a lot to like with butler um yeah, but i oh go ahead Oh, no, go ahead. I was about to wrap it up. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I think uh, similar to kind of Trey Mann, um, where, uh, again, kind of playing into your case, where he does so many uh, – he has so many different skills that he does well, maybe not great, that I feel like um, his floor is fairly high because there's there's room for him to be, uh, you know, maybe uh, not very good in certain aspects, but he's good in enough other areas to make up for maybe those one or two areas that he does struggle in. All right. I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a respectable take. take. And uh, I think that's a good one to end that section of the pod on. Uh, so now moving on to the weekly segment, tail of the tape. Uh, we're just going to talk about some guys that caught our eye. We each got one this week. So uh, let's start with stone stone who caught your eye this week. Um, so for me, it's a guy that I've actually kind of had my eye on for a little bit uh, named Henry Drill. 
Um, I know he's someone that um, uh, among draft Twitter, who's pretty famous, uh, Rafael Barlow. Um, he's a guy that is really high on drill. Um, he's from Estonia, which a little geography lesson for those that don't know is right above Latvia, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, home country. Um, he's someone kind of like we talked about with Jaime Hawkes, who doesn't have like a real skill to hang their hat on. Um, so it, it, it is difficult from that standpoint to see, you know, what he positively, like, you know, for sure what he'll bring to the NBA. Um, but he has a lot of interesting um, attributes to his game. Uh, most notably, he's like a 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, wing creator uh, with a massive reported like 7'1", wingspan. Um, his shooting is a bit streaky. Uh, it's, I think some people buy into it more than I do, where I'm not really sure that uh, it becomes like above average at any point in his career if he does end up sticking. Um, he's a really good passer, um, probably not a primary initiator, uh, but maybe a tertiary or secondary initiator, like in his best case scenario. Um, not a great athlete, but he's very fluid and functional in that respect. Um, he's not really bursty or anything like that. He's not going to be like uh, an isolation creator. Um, but uh, I think off ball, he moves really well. Um, he's a really smart cutter. Uh, he kind of always knows where his primary initiator is and keeps track of that and is able to cut and take advantages of that. Um, and I think he does know how to use his length well. We talked about that big wingspan, and um, he's he's able to kind of use that to his advantage at the rim and, and get around bigger players or centers uh, to challenge his shot. So um, he's someone that probably isn't going to get drafted this year, and if he is, he's more of a draft and draft draft and stash type candidate uh but just someone that i can have my eye on um a real moldable player i think yeah i uh i like drill quite a bit um there's always worry with uh these these european wings that they're just not athletic enough um he reminds me a lot of uh this is a this is a bit of a throwback uh arnoldnas kolbaka i think is how you say it he's drafted by hornets he's still overseas um, I want to say that was the 2017, I think. Yeah, it was the same. I remember it was like he went a couple picks after Hami Diallo. So 18 or 17, one of those. Yeah, one of those. Uh, yeah, I think it was 18 is. because that was it was uh, Luca's draft. So 18. Okay. Because Rodion's Kuruks went like right by him too. And I remember I was low on Rodion's and really high on uh, Kulbaka. Um <laughs> Uh, but he reminds me of him in that they're both like these, you know, probably six, seven, six, eight, uh, kind of do it all wings, but they don't have a, a skill that they really, that really jumps out. Um, and, and it's really going to come down to if he's athletic enough, at some point he'll make it over. And if he's not, he won't. Uh, I could see him getting drafted because stashes are just really valuable. I mean, look at the Thunder this year. They took. Vic Krejci, who I didn't even have in my top ninety, yeah, uh, or his ACL. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I didn't even think he was. Honestly, I didn't even realize he had declared. But teams will just take guys like that just so they don't have to fill a roster spot, whether that's good or bad. Um, but I could see Drew getting drafted for that, and just you know, hopefully he gets his shot. Uh, I like him a little less. That there's another wing. He was brought up last year. Uh, 
Georgius Kalaizakis um, from yeah, Greece, Greece. Mm-hmm. who I, who I like I like a little bit more than Drell because I think he's a little more athletic, but probably not the shooter that Drell is yet. Uh, not not that Drell's an amazing shooter, like you mentioned, but I think he'll hit. I think he'll hit spot ups at a decent rate. Uh, he has he has fine form. He's just it's just not you know it's a it's a bit of a two motion shot and it's not perfect. But I I like Drell a little bit. He's he's just he he's one of those wing bets that I would take. But you know it's all just going to come down to if he's athletic enough, he has the skill. I think he'll have a role. If he's not, he won't, but that's a bet, you know, from 50 to 75 with a two-way, I would take in the draft, so. Yeah, I, I think he's just a really moldable guy. Uh, he has enough skill, different skills where you can buy into uh, kind of molding him into what your team needs uh, down the road. So, like I said, he, he's probably not someone I think I would take necessarily this draft, uh, maybe as a draft and stash, like we mentioned, but um, just someone to keep an eye on in the future. Yeah, I, I haven't watched much of Drell. I've seen I've seen a few videos and numbers and and stuff on on Twitter or in draft Twitter, but um, I did I did notice he has a huge wingspan, like like Stone said, and uh, great size and a good creator on the wing. Um, I did also see he played on the on the U18 team at like like 16 years old, I think, or something like that. So he was he was young playing with some some guys older and and more experienced. But yeah, and uh, it's not like he plays in a, in a bad league or anything. He plays in Italy yeah. along with like Teodosic and and guys who had to have had some NBA experience. So it's not yeah. like he's playing in in the Chinese league or something like that. Yeah, it's not it's not a Greek second division Alexei Pokusevsky stuff here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Of, of the one I need to watch more. So yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be on him, but he does he does look intriguing. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Davis, uh, your guy is the youngest we're going to talk about today. Um, do you want to dive into your guy? Yeah, so I went I went with uh, Andre Carvalho. He's a he's a point guard for Illinois. He's a freshman uh, this season, and he's he's gonna gonna be returning for uh, next year. But um, he came off the bench, but I still think he he got a, a good amount of minutes. Um, I just noticed he he's really really crafty, shifty, and, and and you know elite with his handles already, and he's a good passer. Um, he's from three point. His three-point shot is almost like non-existent right now. That's like his his major knock at this point. I think he shot like 19% from three um, this year, and he is he is kind of a small, skinny, skinny uh, guard. But um, I think I read uh, I saw something in the final 10 games of Illinois. He averaged like 13 points, six rebounds. Um, over like 25 minutes, so six rebounds for his size. Obviously, he's he's aggressive and and uh, does something right to get bored. So I just found him found him pretty in, intriguing, and I think he can be a a pretty good name to to follow for a few more years. Yeah, Corbella's uh, kind of an unorthodox point guard. Uh, kind of some odd skill sets for 
for his size and frame and uh, what you'd think of a traditional point guard as. Uh, he has some pretty questionable decision-making, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, that may just be due to his youth and inexperience a bit. Um, I know, I forget who it was against, but right before the tournament, I was watching Illinois and he made like like three like turnovers in a row. And it was just, it was really hard to watch. Um, but then at the same time, mm -hmm. Uh, you see flashes of that creativity on his drives. Uh, I think he's one of the more creative guys I saw uh, this year in college basketball. He's just uh, got a really versatile bag in terms of how he scores when he gets into the lane. Um, uh, defensively, uh, he's he is um, able to pick pockets of guys. Uh, you see it in transition. He'll trail guys and pick their pocket from behind or uh, jump passing lanes and make make pretty good things like that. Um, but he, he does gamble a lot defensively. Um, so that'll be another thing to watch moving forward, I think, with him just as uh, he matures and, and progresses in the college game. Uh, but I, I do have a little bit of interest in Carrillo maybe as a second round guy uh, within the next year or two. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to give uh Carbello the early honors of the Peyton Pritchard award uh most likely to develop a deep jump shot out of nowhere <laughs> no uh but I like Carbello a little bit he's kind of like a an American Facundo Campazzo um and Campazzo you know probably different tastes from around, around the league I bet you could ask 10 Nuggets fans what they think of him and you'd get 10 different answers and five would be nice and five wouldn't. Uh, that's kind of what I see from Curbelo. He, I don't think you're ever going to take the erratic decision-making and extreme confidence out of his game. I think that's just going to be ingrained in him. That's how he plays. Uh, he cares a lot, and that's something I, I do care about. But in the end, I think he's going to have to de develop a jump shot to be any sort of real NBA prospect. Uh, he's not He's not like an like an unsalvageable shooter now but you know he's probably i would i would guess probably 511 6 even maybe you know he's not big yeah. uh he i think he's going to have to he's going to have to shoot at least at least either with proficiency or with with range and confidence you know kind of like like i mentioned Peyton Pritchard you know he wasn't a prospect until his senior year randomly he was a like a 44% shooter on like insanely deep attempts and that could happen for Cabello because when you're that small sometimes you just train yourself to shoot from deep uh but you know that's that's probably a long shot but he's definitely fun and Illinois is going to be really fun I I know Adam Miller's in the transfer portal but I hope he's keeping the option open to return because I really thought that was going to be the exciting backcourt to watch next year yeah for sure uh yeah, and somehow I just looked because I was curious. Peyton Pritchard is still shooting like 41% in his rookie year from three, which is insane. I don't know how he's doing it. But yeah, if Curbella uh, can reach that level of efficiency, then he's, he's a lock to get drafted. Uh, I think uh, he doesn't need to obviously reach that level. Um, but I think in order to get drafted, like you said, he, he did need some sort of respectable three-point shot, um, yeah. especially to overcome his size. He needs he needs to get that. That's it was sixteen percent. He needs to get that to at least like a, a thirty, thirty one. Yeah, I would like. 
probably a four-year college guy. Um, but, you know, by that senior season, he'll probably be in the running for, uh, you know, national player of the year, um, just and like I, Pritchard was. I'm pretty solid coach, and I think Coburn's going to come back, so hopefully. He already got a six-man, right, this year, I think? Six yeah. Man. Yeah, I th- well, yeah, I think you're right. I think he was. Yeah. Uh, you want to move on to your guy, Bryce? Yeah. Uh, so my guy uh, in, in the in the theme of old guys uh, who shoot, uh, I went with Sean McNeil from West Virginia. Uh, he's a he's a six three. He's listed at six three, but I honestly think he could be six four um, shooter. He played at West Virginia this year, uh, and every game I watch, he just he just impresses me. He is one of the more versatile, like pure shooters. He 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 has a comfortable pull up. He'll he'll run off screens. Uh, if it wasn't, I think he was a super underrated player this season because if it wasn't for him, West Virginia's offense would not have worked. Um, they didn't have any space, uh, so his gravity mattered a lot. And uh, he shot. I I think it was only you know like thirty eight point something percent from three, but. They, they were on incredibly difficult attempts and when he was hot he was really hot uh, and, and I just think that he is closer than maybe like Buddy Beheim to that type of player that can that's athletic enough to run off screens um, and be and be an elite movement guy uh, he's not as big as Beheim he's probably not the prospect Beheim is in total because he's also a a pretty poor decision maker um he has that, you know, a rational Austin Reeves confidence of, I just, I just hit a shot. So now I'm going to take this awful contested deep two uh, that, that has no chance, but he's an exciting player and he just caught my eye as someone who I think, I, I think could have a shot if, if that shooting really is next level. Have you guys seen anything of Sean McNeil? What do you guys think? Yeah, I haven't seen too much of him. Uh, but I did watch a uh, little bit here and there. Uh, I mean, he, he is in that Buddy Beheim mold of a guy that's just a sharpshooter with a quick trigger. Um, you know, he can, he's probably not a guy who's going to create or dribble really at all, much like Beheim. Uh, I mean, that may be a little bit, have to do with a little bit uh, playing next to Deuce, uh, where he might not get as many touches. Um, but yeah, he's kind of in that same mold of Bayheim, I think. Uh, probably not the decision maker like we had talked about that may set apart uh, Bayheim from other shooters, such as McNeil. Uh, so I think for me personally, uh, he's he's someone that has to either either get to that level with uh, Bayheim as far as a decision maker, or um, be a guy who can, uh, in an unlikely scenario, kind of create his own shot. Yeah, so I I actually watched, like, quite a bit of McNeil. Well, not just McNeil, but West Virginia, just because I like Deuce. Um, but I saw I, I did end up seeing quite a bit of McNeil. He's obviously not afraid to shoot, really good shooter. Um, but, yeah, like like you, like you all are saying, uh, he's kind of, kind of like a one-trick pony just on shooting, offense. Everything else outside of that is, you know, at best average. Um, he, hopefully he's just testing the waters because I think he can if he comes back, especially at West Virginia, because I think McCabe's transferring, so he'll have a, a more of a role there. 
even more of a role than he already had. Um, he can really break out. Um, I did notice the game against Baylor when he had that, that four-minute stretch with, like, 13 points. It was pretty crazy. So he's really really streaky, and he can get hot. So, But I think that's that's the only thing he can lean on right now. Yeah, yeah, McCabe did. Uh, he transferred to UNLV, I believe. Uh, man, that that guy, one of the more disappointing college players of the past, uh, past <laughs> little bit. Uh, hopefully, he find he finds a a home in UNLV and makes it work. But uh, I will say this about Sean McNeil: um, he was, in my opinion, probably the third best prospect on West Virginia. You know, Deuce obviously, and then. I would say Emmett Matthews. Uh, is that his name? The the wing yeah. that played Matthews. there. Yeah, Emmett Matthews Jr. Uh, and he might even be better than Matthews. It's just you know Matthews is six six and and uh, it's hard not to bet on that. But McNeil is someone that really you know popped off the tape for me. And uh, yeah, I I hope he comes back and I and I hope he gets I hope he gets a bigger like on ball role just to see. If it goes horribly, then we'll know he's not a prospect. But if it goes well, then maybe he is something. So, pretty sure he's gonna have a, a bigger role with with Deuce and and uh, McCabe gone. But I think who knows? There, there was words, there was rumors of him transferring though, if he was gonna return. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess no one wants to play for uh, old Huggins anymore, except Derek no. Culver. Yeah, Just Derek mostly. Culver. <laughs> um. With that being said, I I, uh, I think that's it. Uh, Stone, do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, so you could just find all my work or uh, anything I'm invited on podcast-wise, anything like that, uh, at report underscore court on Twitter. Um, I also do mock drafts for lines.com. Uh, so if you ever want to check out, I just posted one last week. Uh, I'll try to update them weekly where I think guys will go. So, um, yep, that's where you can find me. Yeah, Davis? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Sports by Davis. Um, I'll be doing these weekly podcasts, a few other posts, dropping big boards soon. So uh, that's at Sports by Davis, and be sure to follow the the podcast at, at Upside Swings. And then if you have any questions or uh, collabs or you know any anything, just you can email us at Upside Swings at Gmail dot com. Yep, and I'm uh, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on uh, Twitter. Uh, a lot of probably stupid stuff on there, but you can follow me for that. And uh, all my all my scouting reports are on at Roll Call Sports, uh, uh, one of the best draft sites out there. Uh, we thank you all for listening. We hope uh, we hit our ceiling with this one, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.